0: style and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. This episode is a solo episode. I got on here to share from my heart about what I learned around 2020, you could say leading up to 2020 through 2020 um and up until now really about physical beauty and my relationship with it and having a transformation of consciousness around what beauty is and having a really deep experience of going into some difficult territory around it and learning some really potent things. I I felt like this was a vulnerable share and yet as I got into it, it just felt really embodied and true. And even now just recording this, I'm actually just really excited to share this story and share these ideas because I think that it's really important to have conversations. And so my hope is that for whoever is drawn to listen to this, that there is some meaning and value in this episode for you and I thank you for tuning in I am both really excited and pretty nervous to share this story this share with you this is about some things that I learned about beauty about physical beauty about having a relationship with one's own beauty. In 2020, roughly. It it bleeds into 2019 and 2021. But it was a big theme in 2020. And for me, as someone who my practice with astrology and with the work that I do is to really live fully. Before I was even an astrologer, I was a writer. And in order to write, in order to have material, in order to understand how to create characters. Even I had to understand humanity. I had to understand myself. And now as an astrologer and as a teacher and as someone who works with clients, my understanding is that everything that I work through becomes embodied wisdom that I get to share the things that I learn whether i speak of them directly or whether it just becomes part of my transmission field or it inspires me in other ways less directly or it comes up in client conversations but i view life you know and my experience as material and so while i was going through this experience i had the the knowing And it was even brought up by someone externally, you know, like when you work through this, you can probably talk about it on your podcast. And I was like, in the moment thinking, wow, okay, if I work through this, you know, but I knew I would, and I trust my psyche, I trust my process, and I want to share what a powerful experience this was, and all of the things I learned, and I actually don't know how relatable or how not relatable this is going to be. My experience thus far is that when I share things with you all on this podcast that I get messages about people resonating and I've just started to trust that my experiences and putting words to my experiences is something valuable to share. I think it's important as people, just as humans to share our experiences it is a kind of community process that I think is one of the, the greatest opportunities of the internet. And whether or not it's happening on a medium or a channel like this, and it's just happening in person, amazing things happen when people get together and they share stories about their lives, especially when it's in a context of you know vulnerability, true sharing, and Perhaps, you know, connection and wisdom and when there's a container, right, to talk about these kinds of things. The major theme of this story is about beauty and about coming into an embodied relationship with one's physical form and with feeling beautiful, moving into that from a place of feeling literally ugly and It's worth noting that we, at least I can speak from the culture that I'm in, and it's kind of like a globalized thing at this point, but there is a beauty industrial complex. There is a avalanche of images and advertisements and beauty standards that we are indoctrinated with. There's another kind of value or storyline that beauty is superficial, that beauty doesn't matter that much, that it's not the most important thing. And so while there's this extreme barrage of images and standards, and also a sense of, you know, oh, but it doesn't matter. It's a little bit disorienting, right? (laughs) And then personally, my experience with beauty and attraction has always been such a desire to partake in it, to be with it, to be attractive, to experience attraction, to experience mutual attraction. It's a desire. I feel it deeply within me and it's always been there in my experience. So it's, There's always been multiple layers of this conversation at the most superficial or the most banal kind of levels or banal, is that how you say it, to the deepest, most, you know, soulful or most psychological, spiritual even. And for a little bit of context about what I'm bringing into this and kind of where this story begins I'll share that in my early 20s, I had this string of powerful romantic relationships. And this was very important to me. You know, this was like so compelling. I was so drawn. I, it was everything. And I learned so much. The last one, however, of these very significant relationships ended pretty traumatically. We were on a trip together and he got in an accident and sustained a head injury. And at this point, it was like a flip of a switch. This person that I was really only just getting to know, but it was happening so quick and so deep, who I felt this powerful, deep connection with in the aftermath of this head injury turned away from me went inward, ended our relationship, and it felt very abrupt, very without closure, very cold. And I was in this place of deep opening. I felt like I wanted to be with him forever, potentially. I was in the middle of having, at that point in my life, the best, most intensely awakening and magical sex of my life. Like My understanding of what love, connection, sexuality was, was just being Blasted to these places that I didn't even know existed. And suddenly it came crashing down. And I was not able to process it quickly. I really wanted to. I wanted to either, you know, not have it be happening to get back together. And when it dawned on me that, you know, that's not what was going to happen, I wanted to get over it as quickly as possible. I wanted to move on. But This event dampened my experience, I would say, for years. Um, It became a lot of complexes. And I didn't even really see how that was happening until, you know, I was years in. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm still processing this. And it's really only within the last few months that this rain cloud finally parted from my life. So grief was this really humbling teacher for me, right? I applied so much effort. I did so much. (laughs) I read all these books. I went to therapy. I saw healers. I threw myself into my astrology work um, to become better at my work and at my client work. I tried to do anything and everything I could to move on and heal and find that kind of happiness and fulfillment again. And... At this point, when I can see the collateral that this impactful event left in my life, I continue to learn from it. I, in that place of grief, I had this moment of just going into a meditation and asking myself, what should I do with my life now? Like in this detonation point, and I decided to go to grad school. I up and moved and did a whole thing and met a whole new community. So there were a lot of different magical Experiences and experiences that I collected in my life. However, I don't think that at the onset of my 20s, I would have wished for a traumatic breakup that took me years to heal from, right? <laughs> I would have just liked to be in a relationship. And um, that's not, you know, what happened. And so I felt really disconnected from that area of my life. Because if I, you know, did date people, I was always comparing them to that experience. Like I was still really locked and frozen in that moment in time. And it's taken, you know, some experiences and some embodied experiences through time to kind of loosen that and to feel open to life again in that kind of way. And I continued during that time to still invest in other areas of my life and to find ways to connect with happiness and all of that. But it was just, like I said, a rain cloud that I couldn't free myself from um, until, until finally I did. But one of the things that came out of this was just thinking that, you know, I wasn't good enough or beautiful enough, that kind of thing to essentially keep him, which, you know, isn't. Even if I knew that wasn't logically true, there, there was this kind of deep wounding of like, well, I must not be something. And I didn't, you know, step into the kind of confidence in that area of my life. Like it felt like a, yeah, just an open wound. If we go back a little bit further, when I was 19, 20, I was in college studying poetics, and I spent a lot of time learning how to dress myself and do my makeup in a way that I liked. I would work on my appearance for kind of large amounts of time in the morning before going out to cafes to write and read all day and flirt. And I didn't want to necessarily just meet people through hobbies or school or activities or getting to know people through things like that. I wanted to meet people in a happenstance way as a natural, as a natural immediate reflection of that Eros. So it was my number one goal to create beautiful things and to be beautiful and to have beautiful experiences. (laughs) I look back on that time and find that version of myself so interesting to converse with. She was single-handedly so interested in beauty, aesthetic, romance, Venusian things to an extreme. And while I didn't track my transits at that time in my life, Uranus was crossing my Mercury-Venus conjunction and my life truly just consisted of reading, writing, and development of artistic taste and voice and romance. This was big to me because growing up, um, I didn't feel pretty, I didn't receive that kind of attention and was even bullied and called ugly. I didn't, you know, I just had a kind of awkwardness and didn't know how to just do certain things um, or look the ways that I saw other people around me looking. And I just kind of felt like alien in some sense. So as I was 19 and 20 and starting to kind of come into myself a little bit more in that way, you know, I had experiences and stuff when I was a teenager, but this was like a new layer And so just getting up in the morning, getting pretty and finding these ways to radically pierce through my own insecurities or the inertia of this past of feeling ugly and receive a different reflection from my environment. And so I knew, you know, that this was like a huge drive. It was super important to me. And that's what I was doing. So I shared that to illustrate one I knew how to kind of go out into the world and have Venusian experiences. And that was something that I valued and cultivated. Like it wasn't something that I just always had per se, um, but I created it for myself. And then came, you know, my mid twenties, 24 and that kind of traumatic breakup experience and just the, long difficulty in healing from that, even though I actively tried. Then in late 2019, so September 2019, I went to Ubud, Bali for a month. I was still carrying the rain cloud that I was talking about, but I wanted to do something fun for myself and have an expansive experience. Um, So I booked a one month solo trip for myself to Bali and up and went. While I did have fun and have some special experiences in Bali, the trip was immensely painful, like in a way that I had to continue to process. Perhaps it was being on a volcano or being on such a spiritual island, which, you know, talking to people who were on the island or who had been there before, there was a kind of mythology that it brings stuff up, you know? <laughs> and some stuff definitely came up for me. I went to Bali with the, the grand vision and imagination that I would easily make friends and that I would have romances. And that's not at all <laughs> what happened, you know? Um, I did connect with a few people And however, I imagined being really easily integrated into an existing community there of expats or travelers, but found instead more of like a cliquish energy and not really a sense of being invited or welcomed in. I'd left the Bay Area feeling particularly beautiful and confident, but as soon as I got to Bali, these intense feelings of being ugly descended over me in a way that I couldn't shake It was very dysmorphic. In part, I've always felt a lot more at home or a lot more Venusian in cold or kind of rainy climates. And in warm tropical places, I've had some more of these kinds of experiences. And I've just kind of learned that about myself. I'm not attached to it always being that way, but that's been an experience further, I would see all of these model type looking people in Bali and had begun comparing myself to them and feeling terrible. And I would see groups of them hanging out together and just seeing like all of these beautiful people and just feeling on the outside of it, which is very Weird to have that experience. And I don't know if I had gone to Bali with friends or had had connections there if I would have had that experience. It's that I went alone and felt that way. So even being in this space of having this intense mood come over me, I was still trying to push through it or not succumb to it entirely. And I was at a cafe one day when I overheard someone saying that he was wanting to call in more photo shoot work. And I told him, you know, I went up and I was like, oh, I overheard, you know, I'm actually looking for a photographer. I would love to do like a photo shoot. So we did a shoot together and I brought all these different outfits and did these shots with him. And then it occurred to me that I could do some nude photos, probably not to publish, you know, in the way that people do covering themselves up with their pose or emojis or whatever, but just to have, like, I just wanted to do it and he was okay with it. Um, and I did this kind of Aries sun headfirst thing and just went for it without really thinking about it. I had this vision in my mind, of it being great and just going a certain way and was kind of shocked by the experience. I'd of course seen myself in the mirror plenty of times and like what I see, but I'd never seen myself like that on camera or on film or like myself in an environment, not just close up to the mirror. And I was really truly in that moment horrified I noticed certain perceived flaws about myself that I'd not even been aware of, and I felt really depressed. So I was on this trip where I intended to have fun and to meet people, and I ended up spending a lot of time alone and feeling really confronted with my difficult emotions and trauma and feeling intensely ugly and horrified at my physical form in a way that was unbearable. It was this harsh chasm between my expectations and hopes for the trip and what actually happened. I cried a lot. I called people from back home talking about, you know, these things I was processing. And I felt like that trip worked me. In the midst of this, I did have some flirtations and attractions and stuff in Bali, but it was. I was receiving it from people that I wasn't actually that interested in. So this combination of not liking myself or my appearance and receiving attention from people I didn't feel a resonance with made me feel even worse. So here I was definitely, you know, still in my life, not having this experience per se on a day to day like way as or I'm ugly, or people think I'm ugly. But in Bali, that was like my reality. I started to identify with this story that at a purely physical level, so just like my physical form, I wasn't beautiful enough to have the kind of experience I wanted in Bali or in life in general, where I would physically look like a model, essentially be this intense beauty and Because of that, have my life be easy or abundant in Eros energy because of just the way that I looked. I had this story that I was physically blocked off from that, that sure, I have a lot of value as a person and I'm great in these various ways, but people have to get to know me. I don't evoke anyone's instant attraction. And that thought form was really painful to me. It was like not It was striking like a really intense pain point. I'd begun to form this traumatic scanning process in my brain, like noticing for one, the physical features of mine that I picked up on that were not ideal or that I didn't like or that I was judging. And then noticing the physical features of people on the island who were model-like looking And what about their body shape or facial structures was associated with that intense or conventional or supernatural beauty? It was very external and feature-based. And I just saw like this energy of people who had that kind of look. It felt like they were just frolicking and were just so free. And I wanted that. So that was a, a huge overtone, undertone of my Bali trip, and it was not resolved while I was there. On one of the plane rides back, these long plane rides, I watched a few films. One was about a woman who was not conventionally beautiful, passing out, and then waking up in a world where everyone treats her like she's the most gorgeous woman they've ever seen. It really jarred me. <laughs> right, It was like touching on the thing. Then there was another just a a romantic kind of drama where the beginning scene features this conventionally beautiful woman drawing the the attention of a conventionally attractive man. They have this moment of eye contact across a room. He chases after her, like literally holds the elevator open because he has to go talk to her. And they have this whole relationship. And I was still swirling around in this pain body place of thinking, I don't get to have that experience in my life. I want to have this mutual instant attraction with someone I randomly meet or meet at a party or gala of some kind, but I can't have that. It was so exaggeratedly painful and weird that it kind of racked me. And like, I knew something was kind of fucked up, but I didn't know you know, why it was grabbing me so much. A few weeks later, when I was back at home in the Bay Area, I was at a cafe and this book with eye contact in the title called out to me. I flipped through it and I found all these essays about eye contact and about the game of attraction. There was an essay for women about how to flirt with eye contact, how to invite people's attraction and how to turn down suitors kindly in a way that doesn't shame them but is like a warm thank you blessing them onward because it does take courage to flirt with someone and there's this queenly way to let them down and it talked about you know how to how to navigate saying no and how to navigate that so that instead of cloaking oneself as to say you know don't talk to me that one is just kind of open in their Eros or open in their Venusian energy as they move through the world and that they know how to wield that. Um, they know how to end a conversation gently or, you know, smile. It was so nice to talk to you and walk away just like these little social skills about how to live in attraction. There was also an essay for men in this book about how to tone up or tone down their sexual energy as to not seem creepy ways to recognize signals of how to turn up the tension or the heat and when to back down or discharge the extra energy, like the difference between, you know, staring and it is a creepy thing or eye contact that is sexy and connecting. It's a really interesting article. The whole book was fascinating to read. The essay about flirting with eye contact opened up something for me. It talked about a really simple practice of, as a woman in the situation, making eyes with someone, perhaps smiling, looking away, and then catching eyes again. Then the person will likely come up to you, or if they don't, you can go up to them. I decided that I would try it the next time an opportunity presented itself where I found myself attracted to someone. It reached me like this flashing light, this book, you know, because I'd recently had this bizarrely painful sensation that I could never meet someone through eye contact specifically, that it wasn't in the cards for me or whatever, which I knew potentially was not true, especially because of the pain it caused me. And I, I think that Sometimes pain can indicate that something's just not true. And I knew that I was off somehow about the nature of attraction or my connection to it and with it, but on that plane ride, I couldn't shake it. It was this loud thing. And here was my new oracle, this book, guiding me along. On a flight shortly after to Minnesota to give a presentation on the Grand Fixed Cross, So that's Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. The themes of this talk had certainly worked me over the Bali trip and the aftermath. Like I was even thinking about this talk in Bali and just grinding through the Grand Fixed Cross and all of these really deep, heavy, intense themes. And I saw this man at the airport that I felt intrigued by. I thought he was attractive. I liked his style. We both made eye contact with each other a few times And I let myself, I noticed that it took courage to do that and it took confidence, right? So I let myself play that game. And then it turned out we were on the same flight. We were waiting in the same waiting area and still the I thing was happening and I knew I couldn't pass up this moment. So I went up to him and asked him what he was reading. And he was reading this book about the divine feminine of all things and told me about it. And we were having this conversation. I learned that he teached meditation in the Bay Area and he asked for my number. This was a really groundbreaking experience, not just that experience in the airport, but the both experiences in the airports or on the plane um, of watching that film, then finding the book about eye contact and then having this new experience and it really catalyzed this realization for me that heretofore previously, I I wouldn't let myself you know, if I was really attracted and having the thought form of like well I'm not beautiful enough or I'm not good enough, I would be too shy to you know play that game of, being forward with eye contact in that way. And when I wasn't into someone, I would be super friendly and open with them because I wasn't, yeah, it was just where I was coming from of like, there wasn't any fear or anxiety there. And so unknowingly, I was actually entertaining a lot of, you know, I was running like I'm friendly, I'm open, I'm talking to people. And then they would end up liking me. And I was like, why? (laughs) This isn't how I feel. But when I actually was deeply interested at times, not all the time, of course, but sometimes when I was interested, I wouldn't engage it. So I became really aware that I was actually taking part in blocking experiences that I wanted to have and holding all this space for experiences that you know, were just friendly for me, but maybe I was giving the wrong signal. So even so, even after having that cool, you know, expansive experience in the airport, making eye contact, having him ask me for my number, I still was really going through this process of analyzing my physical appearance and having this thought that if I just looked different, my life would be better. Or I have this compulsive, like, I just need to change how I look. And throughout 2020, I ended up having a deep experience of relearning what beauty means to me and definitely traversing some challenging places in my psyche around it. I went as far to consider plastic surgery to physically change my appearance from the outside. That's actually, you know, I, i considered it. And because it was so provocative to me at a psychological level of like, why is this thing fascinating me? Why is this grabbing my attention? I did actually make an appointment and meet with a surgeon. (laughs) I went that far, you know, and I don't judge people who get plastic surgery, but I do think of it as like a big decision. And the way that I was thinking of it really did like rock my world. So I went to go see the surgeon and he says to me, you're beautiful. You don't need surgery. There's nothing wrong with you, but if you do want to make adjustments to your appearance, here's what we can do. And he gave his like assessment of what would beautify me. And him saying that I'm really glad, you know, that was like a very tender moment in my life. And I do think of myself as a very adventurous spirit. And so even when it comes to something like this, it's like, I'm glad that I actually went for it and made the appointment and like, Engaged this process. But him saying that, I kind of like teared up and was holding it back. But when I left the office, I just was streaming crying. And this was during a time where I was really noticing that I don't cry very much. 2020, one of my embodiment goals, literally an embodiment goal, was to open up my tear capacity, like to actually just be a person who cries more because I had really shut that down in myself and so here i am just like broken open right and part of why this plastic surgery thing was so psychologically provocative to me was because i know when i'm thinking about extreme things that something's up you know like i i studied russian history and russian literature and art My freshman year of college. And in one of our history texts, and Russia is a big part of my ancestry, in one of the texts, it talked about how through history, Russians have sought to solve problems with extreme solutions. And when I read that, I immediately connected with it because I know that about myself, that sometimes when something is really locked or blocked inside of me, that I'll come up with a very dramatic way of approaching the situation. And when I see myself in that, I'm like, oh, like something is going on here. So when I came home from that experience and I told one of my housemates about it, because I think, I don't know how the conversation started. She may have asked me how I was doing, but I basically broke into tears and was like, I just went to go see a plastic surgeon. And she was just like, you know, super kind of like balanced about it of like, I know people who have done that and I don't think you need to do that. And she just like had these things to say about both sides of it. And she was saying, she's the one who is like, when you get through this, you'll talk about it on your podcast. (laughs) And then she, um, later like knocked on my door and handed me a book about body positivity and gave me a hug, which was really sweet. But, um, essentially because I, I saw in myself that I was in that much pain about my physical appearance and that willing to, you know, go to that extreme of a measure to do something about it, that I really needed to open myself to teachings or books or deeper reflections on the nature of beauty, um, in a deeper way that could help me. And I also talked about it with my coach and, you know, did EFT tapping on it. And she'd asked me the question, you know, what, what would you have? Like, what would it mean to you if you looked different? And it was like this meditation of like, well, I just feel free. I'd feel like I could be whoever I wanted to be. And she's like, why can't you access that? Otherwise, you know, and this book that I ended up finding. Um I forget what it's called, but it's something for the passionate closed lover it talked about. You know, who would you be if you went and got surgery? Be the, like just become that person for a year and then reassess. So, as I opened myself to learn more about this quandary, I I went through a lot. I learned a lot. In addition, you know, to talking to my coach about it, there were certain weeks where that's all I talked about. And I kept like I was self-conscious about it of like, I can't believe this is what I keep bringing into my coaching relationship. And it really showed me how how much space it was taking up in my consciousness. Right. So here's what I learned. One, I have had to reprogram my neural pathways around the traumas of feeling ugly, the years of feeling ugly as a kid, etc. you know, and I came up with some guided meditations for myself to go into and heal these places. I ended up getting an image of unwinding ivy overgrowth around myself, representing the harmful thought forms that I associated with. And making space for a deep inner recognition of my own beauty, like just energetically allowing myself to relax, detangle myself from whatever I had bonded with that wasn't serving me and to really open to the desired feeling that I was wanting to call in. I came up with affirmations about my beauty that I could believe, like I have a unique and enchanting beauty and I can get down with that. So I find that when it comes to coming up with affirmations that you have to find the right magical words that expand and stretch you and are uplifting, but they aren't so far out of range that you don't believe them. But another one that I did come up with that amuses me is I am the beauty standard. So instead of comparing myself to a external beauty standard, just being like, I am the beauty standard. And it, it was fun. I realized that the spiritual teachings that I identify with and work so closely with involve this concept that everything in life is for us, that things do not happen to me, that I did not incarnate into this life or this body randomly. So why did I choose my body as a soul? You know, letting go of this concept that I should look different or I should be a different person, that I should compare myself to others and want to look or be more like them. What if I just am who I am and I accept that? As long as I try to dissociate from my own form and compare myself to other people's forms, I'm not actually stewarding or cultivating my own incarnation. So what if I made the choice to really honor and love myself as I am. And this kind of thought pattern is something that I end up coming back to a lot whenever I find myself coveting or wanting something that someone else has or wanting their circumstances or whatever it is to really ground myself in like I am who I am. I incarnated into this body, into this experience. Can I retrieve the amount of projection or leakage of energy that I'm placing into attention on some other external source and get excited about my own life and my own being? It's something that Um, is really profound and it just, it unravels and gets deeper and deeper every time that pattern comes up. I learned that embodiment, being inside of oneself and connected to oneself in that way is a form of beauty that feeling connected to oneself radiates as attractiveness And that our appearances actually change depending on our relationship with ourself. That the way that we look isn't so literal. Similarly, like the way that we see other people and how when we really like someone, they start to become more beautiful. Or that maybe when we really feel repelled by someone and their behavior, they don't look as beautiful as we have been used to them looking that people's faces actually kind of shift in this magical way, depending on stuff that's happening internally. I realized from this, that beauty is not a tangible thing. It's a verb. It's an experience. It's something that's in movement. I learned from a fashion perspective So reading this book of essays that I mentioned, I think it's called Unclothed for the Passionate Clothes Lover. I learned that dressing well is related to fully accepting who one is, not who you want to be instead or what body type you want to be instead. You end up dressing for yourself instead of adopting someone else's fashion or some other body type's fashion. This fashion book floored me. I'm serious. (laughs) These essays were deep. In relationship to the way that, you know, part of what had troubled me in the last couple of years was that growing up, I was always really thin and it didn't matter what I ate. I could eat anything in any amount and it just wouldn't show up. And in my mid twenties onward, that became not the case anymore. And I often would feel bloated and I wasn't sure how to solve that. And so in 2020, I ended up working with a personal trainer that I still work with and I developed a exercise routine and a macro eating. So I eat certain ratios of protein, fat and carbs at certain hours in certain intervals of hours. And this kind of regimen for my eating and exercise has removed my problem of being bloated and I've developed more strength and this has related to an increase of confidence and embodiment for me. I enjoy seeing My body composition changed from this slowly and surely, and um, it feels good. I also really feel energized by this new way of eating. Like I have consistent energy throughout the day. I've always had a sweet tooth, and through this, you know, I, I don't really eat sweet things very much anymore, and my blood sugar feels more regulated And I just have so much more energy and I've been able to really um, direct that into my creativity. Another thing that became a a large focus was my relationship with Tantra and self-pleasure as a priority. So I've been interested in Tantra since 2016 and I... I learned, I mean, I talked about it on this podcast, but 2020 was a year, you know, fifth house perfection year really does highlight sexuality. And I just learned so much over the last year about, about that and about what it means to really prioritize that part of my life and to have this really orgasmic existence and to see how that Changes how I feel about my body and myself when I consistently love myself in that way. As energies moved and breakthroughs came through from this very active, very high contact process of meeting these deep themes, I realized that I've always had the power to be beautiful, romantic, to have requited experiences. And there's ways that I've let myself get away from myself by identifying too much with harmful or traumatic thought forms that are a kind of self-loathing or self-hatred and for me, creating beauty in my life and self and creating connection and understanding the energetics of attraction have been important practices and places for me to be intentional and consciousness and to increasingly, you know, become more aware, more self-aware, more relationally aware. I had the, you know, this experience of such an extreme idea in my mind to physically alter myself with surgery, which I don't say that in a judgmental way for other people. It might not be as extreme. It might feel more resonant. But for me, it it did feel like a huge decision. And to see how noticing that was like, is this the degree? Like, this is, this is a reflection for me. This is a kind of exaggeration for me. And to feel That, you know, instead of going into these deep places, this deep emotional healing to practice embodiment, to practice Tantra, to have these different opening experiences where I connected with beauty again in a way that was a lot more internal. Being with myself and learning these things and making adjustments has been really tender. It has increased my depth and capacity, and it also has shown me that beauty is mysterious. It gets mechanized or industrialized with the beauty industrial complex, and I am humbled that this is a place that can get me. I'm a free thinker in a lot of ways, I think. I trust my intuition, for example, and deconditioned or never super identified with certain mainstream forms of thought. So there's other ways in my life that I feel pretty free and not as rattled by collective messaging. Why then am I susceptible to advertisements and the way people look in Hollywood and what facial structures are trending and are available potentially through surgery? I mean, I had to really look at that in 2020 I had to look at the way I let an external beauty standard allow me to feel self-hatred, to feel ugly, or to feel like I didn't have access or the worthiness to experience these fantasy Hollywood kind of life experiences that my Venus and Pisces self definitely wants. I've had to get more invested in my own magic, my connection to beauty and glamour intrinsically, and also be really real around my desire for romantic and erotic connection and learn how I, in my unique form and being, navigate that space. Learning the true energetics of Eros and adornment versus the industrial images of Eros. Throughout 2020 and into the current moment, I've posted a lot of photographs and selfies and often received the reflection that I'm glowing or becoming more beautiful, which was interesting to receive. Photography is a form of self-love in practice for me, because whenever I create beauty in myself through fashion, adornment, and image, I feel myself change in a lasting way, like when I make myself the subject of my own art. It lasts for me beyond the moment of the photo. Finding my way into feeling expressed physically is important to me. And yet, even so, I continued to have vacillations internally around beauty. And I had a lot of moments where I did feel beautiful and then moments I didn't. And I realized that beauty is not something that we attain or have permanently. It's an energetic or a currency, if you will. And there are days that I feel beautiful and days that I don't. Or moments I do and moments I don't. And I've experimented with how I can feel resourceful and feeling beautiful. And what practices or what general ways of being water that experience so that it can grow more abundant. There's definitely been times in my life um, that I felt so complex about this that I wouldn't even tell people that I doubted my appearance. i just carry myself and pretend I felt pretty and wouldn't really let people in on the fact that I struggled so often with not. When I have opened up about it, people do reassure me which for some time I was resistant to even talk about it because I didn't want to fish for compliments or I wasn't sure if I could believe people. Like it's all just kind of weird stuff. <laughs> like when you put something in the the shadow, I guess. Um, but there have been some genuinely moving times for sure. Um, when I have talked to people and just been vulnerable about I don't feel pretty or this is what I don't like about myself and to have people give me really warm reflections about my beauty or what they think is beautiful and to just not feel so um, stuck in that. Still, during a rough mushroom trip in 2020, I had confessed to my friend, I feel ugly and I have acne and I feel like my face is falling off. <laughs> I mean, part of that was being on mushrooms, but um, it's true. I mean, I've never had a clear complexion since I was 12 and I struggle with that. And he said to me, how does it feel to have so many people tell you you're beautiful and you don't feel that way? Dysmorphic, I'd said. You know, on that note... I also really kind of got an embodied understanding recently, you know, in this last year or so that beauty is a loaded topic and that people who do have a lot of conventional beauty, um, conventional beautiful features or whatever, also struggle with the way that people treat them as a result. I've had clients talk to me about both ends of beauty, the not having or the having of it. I've noticed my tendency to project onto women who I think are intensely beautiful. And I've become really mindful of that and have edited it. One of these times I caught myself feeling a negative charge toward this woman in a group situation, just because she was extremely beautiful. And I shook it off. Once I noticed that I was doing that and warmly spoke to her and she was so sweet back There's an interesting, you know, side where it's like if someone does have a lot of beauty or they are beautiful enough, it feels it's too petty or whiny or something to talk about it or it's like that's you shouldn't feel sad about that. That's not a problem. So I think even, you know, when people do have a lot of beauty or beauty capital or whatever, there is a there's a downside or there's a difficulty to that as well. And this is part of why I haven't been that open at times before about this inner struggle was that I was either too in it, but that I also recognize that I am beautiful or perceived as that. So it almost, it just kind of feels like whiny to go on like this. But I also know that a lot of women have processes like mine or processes around beauty, and it feels reasonable to have a conversation or open a conversation about it. And at this point in the journey, share what I've learned. Not that every day is perfect, but I'm feeling a lot better about myself now, a lot more open. And I feel like I've learned about some of beauty's mysteries, like how my thoughts and words about myself appear to shift how I look to myself and others, how the way I inhabit and love my body as it is, instead of coveting other people's features or appearances, is part of my own beauty, its deep acceptance and celebration of oneself. I came to know in a grittier way, the intersection between the personal relationship with self and the beauty industrial complex and how that is just there. Like whether one is on the side of having the features and they're receiving a lot of unwanted attention or someone doesn't have those features and they don't feel validated or beautiful enough that. We live in a culture that's organized in this way that creates a hierarchy or creates certain things that just have more, you know, validated potency and that this game, this kind of abstractness, this thing takes, you know, it can siphon one's life force. I can see how at some level. Feeling not beautiful because I compare myself to external standards of beauty can easily put me into a drained energetic or a victim position in life. And 2020 had a lot to do with me confronting that fully, painfully, and reclaiming my experience of beauty and Eros in a way that has a a transformative quality to it now. Currently, I truly celebrate My experiences of being attracted and receiving attraction, and especially when this is mutual, it's very heartening and very life affirming. And it is nice as well to not have that rain cloud over me that I spoke of earlier and to feel more open and to notice how I created this story that, you know, I wasn't beautiful or that this area of my life wasn't working when I had a lot of closed offness to it. And As much as I wanted to be more open, it took me some time to learn how. And I was not able to control that timing. And that's humbling. I celebrate that eros and beauty are energies that are deeply important. And I think finding our own relationship to them, despite a dense matrix of beauty standards or conditioning is important liberation. The erotic, the sense of self that we have when we are connected to our pleasure is revolutionary. It changes things. I further value tantra and embodiment teachers and teachings during this time uh, because I think that a deeper relationship with oneself is called for beyond the superficial layer of looking a certain way. It's about how we feel and inhabit this form. And that does show up superficially. There is still adornment, there is still fashion, but does it hit at the deeper level? And after some machinations and intensities about it, I've come to a deeper felt sense of this truth around the importance of beauty from the inside when I wouldn't have accepted that before when I just wanted more than anything else to physically look different. So thank you for listening to that. I feel really good that I feel at this place of ripeness and readiness to share that. And I hope that it was meaningful to you and that whether you related deeply to a lot of these things or some of them or even none of them that it had some meaning for you to listen to. I'm sure, you know, as someone with strong Venusian stuff astrologically or someone who even just thinks about astrology and Venus is, is a thing. And Pluto is a thing you know, all of this, this has been a very plutonic conversation, to be honest. Um, I'm sure I'll continue meditating on these things and in conversations with people and in client work and and whatnot, you know, just continue to deepen my understanding of these different angles of how we experience beauty and how we cultivate it how we create it how we experience it as a verb or as something that we can access internally what it means to us and the actual depth of that topic thank you